The views expressed in the following program do not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB. Live from the WGBB studios in Merritt, New York, this is Sports Talk New York. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome once again to Sports Talk New York. I am your host, Rob Kramer. Thank you for joining me here tonight on this Sunday night, March 21st, 2021. we got a lot to get into tonight as we're coming up on the the start of the regular season of Major League Baseball. Spring training is winding down. Uh, NFL free agency really uh, went into second gear over the last week or so, so we got a couple of things to talk about that. The Jets and the Giants making a couple of big splashes around here. We got a couple of fun hockey teams to watch, no doubt about that, as the Rangers and the Islanders continue to, um, you know, the Rangers are up and down and the Islanders are the consistent winner with uh, the best GM in hockey for the, for the most part and uh, one of the best coaches in hockey, too. The Islanders continue to be a constant threat and will probably be in the market for a big addition that we'll get into later before the uh, the upcoming trade deadline as the NHL season's winding down as well. But before we all get into that, and we got the Nick game, the Nick game going on tonight, we got um, a lot of things as well. But you could check us out. Go to WGBB Sports Talk on Twitter. You could uh, follow us there. See all you know everything that we have to offer over there. Um, you can check us out on our Facebook uh, Sports Talk New York. You can check us out, uh, am1240wgbb.com. Click on um, Sports Talk New York and get all your updates on all the hosts, any old shows. Uh, you can even go back and look at a, a lot of the old Sports Talk 1240 stuff from back in the day. So a lot of fun content there, but uh, once again, thanks for joining me tonight. And uh, what I really want to start off with is the Mets, the uh, New York Metropolitans as spring training like I said, we got about 10 days left in spring training. I know the Mets have seven games themselves. Um, they uh, they ended up winning today, 6-2, to two, as we saw a preview of opening day today. It was a nice little look into the future as Jacob deGrom took on Mark uh, Max Scherzer uh, in uh, Washington's facility over in West Palm Beach. And... You know, it was a uh, it was a good game from the Mets' perspective. Obviously, nothing really matters. It's spring training. The Mets are nine seven and one. You can throw that out the window because it's spring training. Nothing really matters. Everybody's working on something. But uh, one good thing, Jacob Degrom so far this year in spring training, uh, take a, you know the guy's pretty much thrown one bad pitch. He's allowed one run, a home run. Uh, it was a solo shot in his last start. Uh, in the fourth inning, I believe it was, he was he was starting to get tired. It was the first thing that he it was the first time he'd gone that long this spring, but uh, you know he took the the mound today. After that, didn't allow a run. Four and two thirds shutout innings, three hits, no runs, five strikeouts. So Degrom is looking like he's in midseason form. He uh, he's you know going out there, he's popping the mitt higher than he's ever had in his career. Consistently hitting over a hundred and you know, 99, 100 miles an hour. So the, Jacob DeGrom just seems like he's one of these guys that just keeps getting better um, as he gets older. And, I mean, he's aging like a fine wine. That's that's really what you can say about DeGrom. Um, the, the guy's just gone out there and has been as consistent 
as any pitcher really since 2017. Uh, he, you know, in 15, obviously, well, 14 and 15, DeGrom breaks on the scene and 14 wins that rookie of the year, just had a really great season that year, didn't get enough credit for how good he was at 14. Then in 15, he's overshadowed by Harvey's return and Syndergaard breaking onto the scene, but really came on in the, in the playoffs having just that one bad start. Of course, it had to be in the World Series, so... He kind of gets a little hit for that. But you look at that NLDS against the Dodgers, they don't get out of that series without Jacob deGrom. And, uh, you know, obviously they steamrolled the Cubs, and deGrom was a big part of that too. He had a great outing in the NLCS. But, um, you know, then you look in 16 at the end of the year, he got hurt, and he, and he wasn't part of that run to the playoffs. Syndergaard made the wild card start. deGrom was out of that. In 17, he comes back. He uh, is, you know, just as dominant as ever. Um, 15 and 10 that year. ERA, you know, mid threes, but he was really starting to learn about himself that year, and that's when he really kicked it into gear. You saw him become an elite pitcher at the end of that year, when he was really stringing wins together. And then, look, 18 and 19, he wins the back-to-back Cy Youngs, and I'm sure if they had a full season last year that Jacob deGrom would have beat out Trevor Bauer. Um, no insult to Trevor Bauer. The guy's a great pitcher. Um, the Dodgers signed him to a big contract. I would have been thrilled if the Mets got him and you added him to this mix, this rotation, especially, we'll get into in a minute, uh, Carlos Carrasco, one of the new additions that the Mets got this offseason, suffered a torn hamstring. So he's going to be out six to eight weeks. So that sucks. But, you know, the, it's just something that the Mets have to deal with. It has to be a next man up mentality. And fortunately this year, thanks to the pockets of Stevie Cohen and the, uh, you know, awareness of Sandy Cohen, uh, of Sandy Alderson and his lieutenants. You have to give it to the Mets. They were able to go out there and acquire a lot of depth. Uh, they picked up Jordan Yamamoto, who's been starting games this spring. They picked up Joey Lucchese, who's going to be pitching tomorrow. They picked up, uh, you know, a, a bunch of guys, including Taiwan Walker who is going to be in that mix tomorrow, Taiwan Walker. Uh, let's look at Taiwan Walker real quick. You know, Walker this year has gone out there, and he's had a good spring. He's had a three ERA so far this spring. But, you know, like I said, you, you just want to see how these guys look. And his last outing, four innings, one hit, one walk, three strikeouts, no runs. Uh, that was yesterday. Uh, so he's starting to get he's starting to get better. He's working his way into shape. He's looking like one of these guys. Uh, he had a really good year last year. I understand it was not, um, you know, even 150 innings. It was 53 innings of good baseball that he pitched last year. So we have to remember that. But there's two ways you could look at it. Okay, that he ha- he hasn't really proved it over the course of a full season yet. Or you could look at it as the fact that this is a guy that has all the potential in the world. He's still in his late 20s. And this is a guy that could come into his own in a Met uniform. You bought low on this guy. It could really pay off. And, um, you know, I, I think Taiwan Walker, who the, the Mets signed, I mean, look, you could say two years, 20 million, that's not really, or two years, 23, whatever it ends up being, isn't really um, a bargain deal for a guy that really hasn't proved it. But, I mean, you know, they're going right in baseball, especially a guy that had a really good year last year in what you could call a full season. I mean, it doesn't feel like it, but he had a full season last year of 12 starts based on the uh, the 60-game format last season. So, 
Uh, you have to give it to Taiwan Walker for capitalizing on that moment last year, and now he comes back, and he's going to have an even bigger role in this rotation than we previously thought. It opens the door for a guy like Jordan Yamamoto to make the team because, um, you know, you, you're really going to be looking at this met rotation. Uh, you know, you're going to have DeGrom, obviously, starting opening day. you got Syndergaard waiting in the wings. He came up the other day uh, throwing a bullpen, throwing 96 miles an hour. This is the first time the guy's thrown off, um, you know, a mound in in almost a year, and he's hitting 96 right off the bat, not, not even trying. So Noah is work, he's, a, he's ahead of schedule, but don't pencil him in yet. A lot of Met fans are talking about late April he could come back and maybe even May or so. Don't expect him back until at the earliest Memorial Day, the absolute earliest Memorial Day, but probably even after than that. June 15th is a day I'd circle right around there. Um, you know, and if he, he has a, um, you know, a couple of backtracking moments, you, it might be the 4th of July. But who knows? The main thing is that you're going to have a guy like Noah Syndergaard coming back and contributing in the second half of a season for a team that you really hope should be in the playoff run. I mean, uh, you know, a, a, a lot of these prognosticators are picking the Mets to win the division this year. And while I love to hear that as a Mets fan, I think it is a complete slap in the face of the Atlanta Braves, who are one of the more talented teams, not only in this division, but in baseball. Um, you know, you look at that team, if they have Soroka coming back completely healthy, um, you know, if they had a, a couple of these other guys that, you know, that, like Freddie Freeman won the MVP last year, you know, they brought back Marcelo Zuna, they have Acuna, they have all these guys, and Travis Darno. Travis Darno legitimately put his name in the conversation with probably the top 10 catches in baseball last year, and he killed the Mets. One of the things that killed them, like, you know, like Daniel Murphy killed the Mets in 2016. Travis Darno killed the Mets in 2020. Now, you got to hope that it was a small sample size and that uh, maybe they're not going to, you know, get killed that much by Darno this year. But, you know, the guy was a Met killer last year, and those things don't tend to end uh, sooner rather than later. So you, you've got to hope that um, with this new depth that the Mets have added, um, you know, and not only from the uh, – perspective of pitching too they that they added you know guys like Aaron Loop and they added um uh Trevor May in the bullpen the the Mets have a lot of weapons this year and also to their bench too when you look at um you know around their their team right now you got a real good speedster like Malik Smith who I would really like to see him make the team even if it's as a 26th man uh just have him come on pinch run late in the game Old school baseball stuff, especially you're going to need that with without the DH. Um, and it looks like the the National League will commence this season without the DH. Uh, thank God, by the way, I cannot stand DH baseball. So for me, at least, it's going to be uh, nice to at least get one last season of real National League, real Major League Baseball, because after this season. It's probably going to be gone. There's uh, a lot of um, contract negotiations between the Players Union and Major League Baseball on the horizon. You have the, uh, um, you know, the CBA uh, between the two organizations. So it's going to be 
a lot changed between now and a year from now, and one of those things is probably going to be a universal DH. So if you're like me, and you like old school baseball, and you like seeing pitchers hit, and you like seeing the maneuvering late in games because of that, enjoy this season, because it's probably the last one, unfortunately. So, you know, like I said, the Mets have seven games left in spring, and uh, one of the things they really have to be happy about is that the guy they made the big trade for, Francisco Lindor, who, you know, a lot of Met fans, obviously, you know it's spring training, so it doesn't matter. But a lot of Met fans were kind of rolling their eyes a little bit early on, for whatever reason, um, because Francisco Lindor started off 3-for-19 at the plate, didn't look uh, particularly comfortable, wasn't really driving the ball. Um, well, that's changed, because uh, since then... He's gone 7-for-15 at the plate with a grand slam, a three-run home run, nine RBIs. He's absolutely killing it now. 294, three home runs, nine RBIs in the spring. Most of that damage being done over the last week, 15 to 20 at-bats or so. So you really got to give it to Francisco as uh, he's really starting to settle into his role. Uh, you could tell what a, defense he, uh, what a difference he makes defensively. Um, being out there, he has great instincts on the field. Um, everybody loves the, you know his smile and everything that what the guy brings to uh, the clubhouse and the dugout. Um, so you, you just can't get a better guy than that right now. And I'll tell you what, um, word broke the other day that the Mets um, have offered Francisco Lindor, who they traded for in January, but is a free agent after this year. So if the Mets don't come to an agreement with him by Lindor's imposed deadline, which is April 1st, opening day, because he said once the real games start, you know, and I'll blame him, a lot of players are like this, it's the same thing with Michael Conforto, who's also a free agent, we'll get to him in a second, but, you know, Francisco Lindor has this self-imposed deadline of if we don't have a contract done by opening day, April 1st, I'm going to be a free agent, and it doesn't mean I'm walking, but it means I'm going to be a free agent, and we'll be talking contract and money any years after the season. Well... Sandy Alderson and Steve Cohen wanted to get a jump on that. They apparently have offered, according to multiple sources, $300 million or a deal very, very close to that, so probably somewhere in the 290s to $300. Um, now, Lindor's camp came back to the Mets with an offer of well north of 300 So it could be 325 it could be 330 I mean, I know Bryce Harper got 330 so maybe he's looking for somewhere in, in that range. So that would be big, considering Francisco Lindor. I mean, he could be the best shortstop in baseball. You could easily make that case that Francisco Lindor is the best shortstop in baseball. So the Mets should be willing to pay up. You knew when you made this trade that you were going to have to pay up. So, uh, you know, me personally, I'm not paying. I, I don't care what it takes. Pay him 320 pay him 325 Pay him 340, pay him 350. Uh, it's probably not going to get up to 400 Mike Trout territory, but pay the guy not only what he wants, but pay the guy what he's worth. And what he's worth is to be the highest paid shortstop in baseball. Uh, he'll probably get something close to what Manny Machado got, which is right around there, 330, 340. I think he ended up signing for 340. So who knows? Maybe he tops him, goes to 345. Whatever it takes, Mets, just get the deal done. This is this is what you have to do. And, uh, you know, so like I said, the Mets got a lot of that on their table. And uh, there's, there's a lot of different ways uh, the Mets can do this because they also have to sign um, Conforto. And 
look, I want Syndergaard bad, and that better get done. And, you know, he's probably not going to give you that much of a discount. He's probably going to want to see what he looks like before he signs something. But signing Syndergaard has to get done badly. But the first two things that you have to do before opening day are sign Conforto and sign Lindor. Because, you know, the one thing Jacob deGrom needs, if you're you're committed to Jacob deGrom, so you know so know what you owe Jacob deGrom now, who, by the way, deGrom was quoted today as saying that he's rooting for the two that I just mentioned to get extensions, which obviously, why wouldn't he? But the thing that you can prove to Jacob deGrom, that you are committed to him, committed to winning, and actually committed to Steve Cohen's, you know, this is what Steve Cohen said, that it's a three- to five-year window. He wants to win a World Series right now. Don't blame him. Don't blame him at all. That's what you should want. That's what you should expect out of your team, especially with one that has a lot of talent like the Mets do right now. But if you want to show those guys that you mean business and that those just aren't words for a press conference to get good headlines, sign Lindor, sign Conforto. Case closed. On to the Yankees. Garrett Cole started today. Uh, Garrett Cole, you know, obviously... Second best pitcher in baseball, in my opinion. I think Degrom's the best. Uh, it's you're you're really splitting hairs. Uh, Garrett Cole is the highest paid pitcher in baseball. Well, actually, now after Trevor Bauer, he's the highest paid pitcher. He does he did get the highest contract ever for a pitcher, still, but not single season annual annual salary. Um, but but Garrett Cole, obviously, still one of the best pitchers in baseball. Um, went to my alma mater, UCLA, so shout-out to Garrett Cole. Garrett Cole is in line to start opening day for the Yankees, just like the Groms for the Mets. He'll be starting against Toronto, but today he pitched against Toronto. He threw 78 pitches, five innings, four hits, one run, eight strikeouts. He was really fanning guys today, looking like he's starting around into form. Um, you know, Cole slated for that opening day start. This is exactly what the Yankees need. Um, a weird first year for him last year in 2020. A lot of up and down results. But, you know, Cole was one of those guys that I really could see, um, you know, if they had a full season last year, his first his first half probably would have unfolded. Well, you know, obviously it did as it did last season where he had his, his really good starts. He had his so-so starts. He had his starts where you're like, holy crap, he gave up three home runs to that team. How, how could he do that? But, you know, it'll be... I think he would have really come on in the second half of the Yankees last year. You know, he he had been one of those type of pitchers. Uh, his last year in um, in uh, Houston, he went from May until October without losing a game for the Astros. So the Yankees are getting that type of pitcher again this year. Um, he's going to be their horse. He's going to be the guy they they ride. Uh, I you know I really feel like the Yankees are going to take a hit from not having Masahiro Tanaka. Um, I, I know a lot of Yankee fans got sick of his stuff in um, the the regular season. He would he would have every once in a while where he'd just get smacked around and you know would kind of be a mediocre pitcher at times. But, you know, when the, the pressure was on, Masahiro Tanaka was going to deliver in the playoffs and the big games. And he did. I mean, you know what? He had his one bad start this past postseason. But, I don't know, I, I can't knock Tanaka. Um, it stinks from a Yankees perspective that he went back to Japan. He's uh, a, a very, very good pitcher. And, um, you know, w- wish him nothing but the best. 
but the Yankees right now have their rotation behind Garrett Cole. You've got guys like Jordan Montgomery, um, who you know has been pretty good. He actually had a really good outing last week where he threw five shutout innings. Uh, Corey Kluber, who his last outing was actually a simulated game on Thursday uh, because the Yankees had off that day. They wanted to keep him on five days, and he's really one of the question marks for the Yankees. Um, you know, Corey Kluber right now, they're, uh, they really have to uh, keep an eye on him, see what his deal is. Uh, but, he, you know, he's coming back from injury. But a lot of the the word you've heard from him is that he's doing good. In, in that outing, he threw about four innings, allowed one run, 62 pitches. So they're working him up. They're building Corey Kluber up. Uh, you also got Jamison Tyon, who they uh, they traded for. is coming back from Tommy John. Also, um, you know, this is from from Pittsburgh, they they traded for him. He's he's Garrett Cole's buddy, former teammate. Uh, this is a guy who's done very good so far. He's he's had three outings. He, he's starting tomorrow against Philly, um, and and also on that same day, Domingo Herman is trying to work his way back and clean his name up. As uh, he's coming back, he's going to throw a live BP tomorrow. So we'll see how that goes. But Jamison Tyon, you know, he, he allowed a run. In, uh, no, he I'm sorry, he actually hasn't allowed a run in three starts so far. Shutout inning against Detroit, two shutout innings against Pittsburgh, and then two and two-thirds shutout innings against uh, Detroit his last time out. So he's not exactly getting a lot of length yet, but he's trying to work his way up. He's probably good for somewhere between 50 and 60 pitches tomorrow, around four innings. So you see what you get out of this kid, I think, um, having him there is really good for the Yankees' depth. You know, just like the Mets, it's all about depth. You've got to make sure that you've got guys that have high upside with a chance to make a lot of starts for you. And, you know, there's a lot of guys you could say. Like, look, I named three guys already in Tyon, Kluber, and Montgomery. They all have high upside. And, you know, those probably aren't even – I, I probably haven't even mentioned the two guys in the Yankees that have the highest upside, and that's Davey Garcia and Michael King. Uh, Garcia probably more than King, but I like both those pitchers. And it looks like they're both going to have a real shot to get in this Yankee rotation, especially, you know, obviously we're, we're, we talked about Herman a minute ago, and Domingo Herman's going to play a big role in, uh, you know, what the Yankees do, see how he comes back. And also, don't forget Luis Severino, who's hanging in the wings, waiting to come back. Um, he kind of got lucky, just like Syndergaard last year with the, the shortened season. A lot of people forget about them. So they're waiting in the wings. Syndergaard's coming back. I think Syndergaard's a little ahead of Severino. But but Severino's in that mix. So don't forget the second half of the season, maybe even before that, you'll be seeing Severino, and he could have an impact with this team. Um, you know, also just a couple of Yankees notes before we take our first break of the day here as we're winding down. Um, you know, a little alarming I've been seeing on Yankees' Twitter. Some Yankee fans are concerned that Aaron Judge has neither a home run nor an RBI so far this spring. Uh, he's got about 30 at-bats under his belt. So, you know, give the guy time. Once he has 50 at-bats, once he hits about that number, you know, a, a lot of guys say that they need about 50 to feel normal. So, Judge, you know, it's not like he's dying at the plate. He's still hitting about two fifty-eight. Um, You know, he's, he's hitting a lot of singles so far. So, you Take that as it is right now. Um, he, he's not dead at the plate. He still looks dangerous, and um, you know, just take that for what it is. He's he's a a good player that um, 
right now is making a big difference in spring, but that's not when you need him to make a big difference. Uh, as long as he's Aaron Judge on opening day, that's all you need to know. Uh, now talk about two other guys, middle infielders, that the Yankees really need to do well. Glaber Torres, DJ LeMahieu, they both look very good so far this spring. Um, you know, you got a guy in Clint Frazier who's killing it right now, hitting 321 this spring. Um, two home runs, six RBIs, so the Yankees got to really be excited with what they see from him. This is a guy who's been traded by fans and, uh, you know, prognosticators for so long right now that just to see him succeed in, in, in pinstripes must be good for him. Um, so hopefully he can keep that up. Um, I know Gio Urshela homered today, so he continues to be a rock for them at third base. Gary Sanchez, you know, hitting under the Mendoza line. That's 200 if you don't know. Um, he's got a couple of bombs, three home runs, but, you know, who knows about that. Uh, one guy to keep an eye on, though, too, is Jay Bruce. who's hitting a little over 200, but he's got a couple of bombs this spring. That could be a guy that plays a big role in the Yankees. Remember, especially as a lefty, uh, Jay Bruce would be very dangerous at Yankee Stadium, you know, whether it's in a, a bench player or, you know, whatever they want to do with him. So, the you know, Jay Bruce, the former Met, who was actually in the Cano deal <laughs> that the Yankees that the Mets got uh, Cano and uh, and Edwin Diaz and gave up their uh, young prospect outfielder Jared Kalanick. So uh, Jay Bruce is going to have that footnote in history too. Uh, but you know, so that uh, pretty much wraps us up for the first half of the show, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, you know, still a lot to get into right now. As uh, in the second half of the show, we'll be talking Rangers and Islanders, we'll be talking Knicks and Nets little NFL free agency, so uh, thanks for being with me here on this Sunday night as we start to uh, kick off spring, and uh, we'll be back in a minute. Thanks for sticking around. Listening to Sports Talk New York. Tune in every Sunday night at 8 p.m. on Long Island's WGBB. Broadcasting on 95.9 FM and 1240 AM. Or listen live online at WGBBradio.com. Stay connected to Sports Talk New York on WGBB by following us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at WGBB Sports Talk. You're listening to Sports Talk New York on Long Island's WGBB. And now, back to the show. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for sticking around with me on this Sunday night for Sports Talk New York. I'm your host, Rob Kramer, and... Uh, after that quick break, we're right back at you here on WGBB. And, uh, you know, like I said, we, we still got a lot to get into as uh, NFL free agency is happening. And it looks like the Giants have, they're putting the full court press on Adderay Jackson, the cornerback. They even have uh, his former teammate Logan Ryan getting in on the act right now as uh, they posted a picture of the two of them out on the city. And, uh, you know, that's uh, that's big for the Giants. Um, if the Giants could bring him in, that would really be good for them for the rest of their day. As, uh, 
you know, the, the Giants have uh, gone out. They added Kenny Galloway, who is uh, really, really big for them. Um, because, you know, you got to remember, too, the, the Giants have moved on from guys like, just in the last, you know, obviously Eli's gone, so it's Daniel Jones' team. They, they got rid of Odell Beckham even before that. Uh, so there's been a lot of turnover, especially now Golden Tate, Kevin Zeitler were gone in the last month or so. But uh, they franchise tagged Leonard Williams. It came to a three-year, $53 million contract agreement with him. So uh, they brought him back, the Jets' former first-round pick, who the Jets uh, actually picked up a fifth-round pick for again this year as the uh, the Giants owed that to him after they came to the contract. Um, you know, the former uh, Titans' first-rounder that I spoke about a minute ago, Adderay Jackson, the cornerback, uh, is a really big target of them right now, but that's only after they went out and signed star wide receiver Kenny Galloway, the former Lions wide receiver, to a blockbuster big contract. Um, now they have a really big number one target they can go out there. Um, and, you know, they're probably going to be running a two tight end set, too, because they went out and signed former Notre Dame standout and uh, Vikings former tight end Kyle Rudolph who uh, this guy goes back all the way to the Brady Quinn days in Notre Dame. So, you know, Kyle Rudolph, one of the better names out there, uh, one of the better guys. He's a guy that um, you can really plug in and be a leader on the team. He's uh, had a lot of big moments. Um, So this is a guy that the Giants are really going to have lean on in the clubhouse. A lot of the young guys, they have a young team. And he could be a, a nice little safety net. He'll be a good blocking tight end. And he, he's got good hands, so even when you need him to make a big catch, you could have Kyle Rudolph make a big catch, too. And, uh, you know, I think the Giants are really doing a good job of adding not only talent but character into this team because Kenny Galloway, good guy, no doubt about it. Um, Adderay Jackson, good guy. Uh, obviously, Kyle Rudolph, like I said, good guy. Now, they also got rid of Colt McCoy, who left through free agency. And if you remember, Colt McCoy won... One of the biggest games of the Giants the year last year that really made people believe that, oh, if the Giants can win this game with Colt McCoy quarterback, you know, this team might be, uh, you know, dangerous. And look, the Giants were alive as bad as the NFC East was last year. The Giants were alive in that division until the last game of the season. It wasn't until, you know, Philadelphia and Dallas in that last game of the year just laid an egg that uh, that has a lot of fans uh, still upset to this day. But, um, you know, it, it wasn't until that game, the Sunday night game, in the last week of the season, that the Giants were eliminated from the playoffs. But that's more a testament of how bad their division was. But, you know, you have a guy like Colt McCoy out there that won a big game for them last year. You'd think they'd bring him back. But they actually replaced him with an interesting name, another good guy in Mike Glennon, the former Tampa Bay Buccaneer. So bringing Glennon in, I think that, that works out well for them. Um, I think it really gives the, the Giants a chance to eat, because Gunnan's a good quarterback. And even if, uh, you know, maybe Daniel Jones seems like one of the type of quarterbacks, that he's a mobile guy back there, so he's going to get banged up at times. So even if it's only for a few snaps, you're going to have your backup quarterback getting action a pretty decent amount of the time. Even if it's not every single week, he'll be in there. He'll, he'll accumulate snaps by the end of the year. Just, just the nature of the game and the nature of having a quarterback that moves around that much in the pocket, especially in, when the Giants don't have that grave an offensive line. Um, you know, 
pre-draft because the Giants do have the 11th pick in the NFL draft this year, which is probably going to enable them to draft a uh, big-time offensive lineman, um, you know, especially with Saquon coming back. Uh, you have the quarterback situation figured out. You just signed your big-time receiver. They have Ingram now as a tight end, and um, Kyle Rudolph as the second option. So you really have the uh, skills, the skills, the skills possessions. Uh, I'm sorry, the skills positions and everything like that set. And when you look at um, the Giants team as a whole, one of the things that they're really lacking on is offensive line. They also need an edge rusher. So on the defensive side, if they could get a defensive lineman that is an edge rusher, that that would be big for them. That would be big. But uh, if, if that's not available, I'm sure they go offensive line. And uh, this is why, too, you want to sign Adore Jackson, because if you sign Adore Jackson and you have the combination of Adore and um, Logan Ryan, who Logan Ryan was so underrated last year, one of the better free agent signings across the league, not just for the Giants as themselves. Um, I think they did such a great job, along with Blake Martinez, who came in last year from the Green Bay Packers. I think um, finding that value was huge for Dave Gettleman, and I don't think he got enough credit for it. And Dave Gettleman deserves to be criticized a lot for a lot of his decision-making and a lot of the things that he's done and the way he's handled them over the last couple of years, but, you know, his drafts have been pretty good, and over the last two years, this one and last one, he's done very well on free agency. So you got to give him credit for that, where credit is due. And, um, you know, I, I think the, the Giants are um, on the right track, and I think under this coach and uh, under this leadership right now, I think the Giants are really going to be in contention to make the playoffs this year, to be honest. And I think that um, with the way that the NFC East broke down, I mean, obviously I know a big change in that division was um, Dak Prescott, the Cowboys quarterback, getting hurt against the Giants, ironically. Um, because if the Cowboys had Dak, with that team, I, I mean, I know you know a lot of things didn't work out with um, the, the coach and everything, Mark McCarthy, and they had a rocky, rocky first year. A lot of really disappointing losses for them. Just a disappointing team all around. And um, I feel like Mike McCarthy and Dak Prescott and Ezekiel Elliott and the rest of that team, um, I really think that that, that, that team should have won the division last year. And they, they could come out and, you know, who, who, who knows the Cowboys? They could come out next year and go 12-4. and four. And would it really surprise anybody, especially if Dak has a big year? So maybe winning the division next year um, is something that's it's a little crazy to say. But, you know, never count the Eagles out. You never know what you're getting out of, the, out of Washington. The Washington football team is one of the, you know, they're either going to be a 2-14 and 14 team or a 9-7 and seven team that is fighting you every step of the way and could either win the division or be a, a tough wild card. So you never know what you're getting with Washington. Um, you know, but the, the Giants have been one of the patsies over the last few years. I think uh, that the, the new coach, the new uh, system, I think everything that the Giants have going for them right now 
they're heading in the right direction, and that's all they need to do. They need to keep making smart moves like they've been doing in free agency, and just if you go out there and you hit on your first-round pick, the Giants should be in playoff contention without a doubt next year. And um, I think that's uh, that's really a testament to the Giants sticking to the plan. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's real hard to stick to the plan, especially when you see other teams, you know, coming out of nowhere. Like, and and especially last year where it seemed like the division was just there for the taking, and there was such a a chance to just go out there and um, and just and just take and, and you know not even feel bad about being a bad team making the playoffs because it doesn't matter. If you're in the playoffs, you're in the playoffs. That's all. That's, that's the name of the game. So you know, a bad team was going to make the playoffs last year, and if you're a Giants fan, you would have preferred to be your team. And that's that's all I'm saying about that. So you know, uh, the, the Giants are heading in the right direction. Are, are they on paper the best team in the NFC East right now? Probably not. But does that mean that they can't win the division next year? Absolutely not. The Giants are going to have a good chance. They're going to have a good young quarterback with a good running back coming back, potential franchise running back. Um, and, you know, they're, they're, they're going to be in the mix. I, I firmly believe that the New York Giants will be in the mix. Um, a team that I, I really like where they're going, but I don't, I don't have the same amount of confidence that they're going to be in the mix, you know, next year, six months from now, maybe a little bit longer than six months, um, is the team I'm a, I'm a fan of, the New York Jets. And they've been making a lot of splashes in uh, free agency uh, since it, it commenced last week. Everything became official on Wednesday. Um, the floodgates opened up on on Monday at 4 p.m. when uh, when a lot of these conversations became legal for you to talk with teams, uh, players, and everything like that. And then on on St. Patty's Day on Wednesday. Everything became official at 4 p.m., where, uh, you know, it's officially, you know, free agent season. <laughs> and in the NFL, like we talked about, the Giants, they made a couple of big splashes. Well, the Jets did the same thing. The Jets went out there, and now I said the Giants needed an edge rusher. The Jets have needed the same thing. And as a matter of fact, the Jets have needed an edge rusher for a, a dog's age. No doubt about that. They went out and picked up a 26-year-old Carl Lawson, defensive end, from Cincinnati, three years, $45 million. Now, when was the last time the Jets went out and signed a legit pass rusher as a free agent? That was 2008. It's been 13 years since the Jets last did that. That man was Calvin Pace, who they signed from the Arizona Cardinals. Um, you know, this kid Lawson is a quick rusher who can line up next to Quinn and Williams and makes a formidable D-line Um with, with that right there, that, that combination, um, I really think that Lawson's going to add a lot. Uh, this is a guy that he had a really big rookie season, eight and a half sacks. Hasn't matched that since. His high since then, he's done five and a half twice. Um, but also, I think that the scheme in Cincinnati really messed him up. And a, a lot of those uh, teams that he played on the last couple of years were just garbage. So I think a change of scenery, um, you know, a little boost his morale, a little more money in his pocket, a little more respect. I think this kid, Carl Lawson's real, especially the fact that this is a kid that's 26 years old. That's the main thing the Jets did um, 
with this free agent class is they went out and signed a lot of young kids. The next guy I'm going to mention, Corey Davis, 2017 first-round pick, number five overall. This is a kid from Tennessee. He's been with this, uh, with you know, Vrabel the last few years. Um, they've been a winning team. He he comes from a winning culture, so this is a guy that knows exactly what he's doing. Three years, $37 million contract. He's a big frame starting wide receiver. Like I said, former number five overall pick. He was in, he picked a couple of times after Sam Darnold. Two picks after Darnold, as a matter of fact. Last year, 64 catches, 984 yards, five touchdowns. So he's a big body that you can rely on. Um, Corey Davis, you know, this is a guy too. He hasn't hit his 100% potential yet. And you set him up in the right system. I think this kid could really do wonders with Sam Darnold um, or or any quarterback. You know, I'd love to see the Jets give Darnold a chance. Um, but I'm telling you right now, too, if Deshaun Watson is available, do what you can to get him. I don't care if it takes giving up a bunch of first-round picks. I don't want to do it either. But you know what? In football, you need that quarterback. And you, you can figure everything else out. Look at the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That went from a team that was barely an 8-8 eight and eight team. And you stick Tom Brady on that team, boom, Super Bowl champions. They're wiping the floor with the Kansas City Chiefs, the, the, who have dominated the NFL for the last three years. <laughs> so, you know, it comes down to that quarterback. And you get Deshaun Watson here, you do what it takes, if you have that opportunity, in my opinion. But who knows where the Jets are going to go right now. They could keep Sam Darnold. They could... Draft um, a quarterback, you know, one of the ones available, whoever that may be at the time, or they could stick with Sam Darnold. So let's see what they do. But so if they do stick with Darnold, no matter what they did, they added another uh, little threat there in Corey Davis. But also a guy that's going to fly a little more under the radar is Keelan Cole. They they gave him a five year a, a one year five million dollar contract. He's a little bit more of a depth piece, but he's a good slot receiver. He's got some speed on him and a good special teams guy, which the Jets were good special teams teams in 18 and 19, but last year just stunk. They they were terrible on special teams last year. Hopefully, Keelan Cole's a guy that helps them. Another guy that's going to help them on that is cornerback Justin Hardy, who they got from New Orleans, signed to a three-year deal, special teams specialist. This is a guy that was talking in his Zoom really pumping people up. He's really going to, um, you know, few special teams guys who a lot of people don't know pump up a fan base like Hardy did in his Zoom when they when the Jets introduced him. And he was talking, he stood up and he pointed to his heart, talking about how he had heart and everything and how that's what makes him stand out and that's what makes him a good special teams guy. And it, it's really good to see that. And you, you, you think to yourself that this is the type of guy that can really inspire a unit like that. And that's all it takes, a little bit of inspiration, um, especially for, you know, if the Jets happen to be a decent team next year, which, you know, you, you hope that's the case. Um, you know, you, you really do, especially with, with, with new coach Rob Salah. I think um, I think the Jets really have a chance to, to start building something here. Uh, they also added to the defense, LaMarcus Joyner, safety, former Oakland Raider, former Las Vegas Raider. Um, I think uh, jo- Joyner is going to slide in real well. You're going to stick that guy back there. Um, the, the, he's going to do a real good job. Um, 
you know, especially he's going to be another guy on special teams. He's going to be a depth piece. He's and that's the thing too. You need depth. You can't just have a couple of good players and a bunch of stiffs. You have to have depth, and that's what a lot of these signings do. Another piece like that, Jared Davis, former first-round pick of the Lions, a guy who uh, was a, a very good piece for them, middle linebacker for a couple of years, fell out of favor with the organization last year, only played about 28% of the snaps. So, of course, his numbers came down. Still got a $7 million deal from the Jets, a one-year deal. It's like a make-good type contract. So you bring him in. I think he's got a chance to be really, really good for this team. And, uh, you know, that that's pretty much it when it comes to the Jets. They um, they went out, they signed a lot of these guys. Oh, they actually also signed J- Jonathan Rankins, a uh, defensive tackle who's really going to help fill out that, uh, you know, be one of those big bodies that, that Salah needs to have that 4-3 defense. And um, I, I think that it, it's, a, it's a big step for the Jets to keep adding to this team. Um, you know, the Jets might not be, uh, are they an 11-12 win team right now? No. Are they better than the Patriots right now? No. Are, have they had a better offseason than the Patriots? No. But have the Jets had a really good, positive offseason where they improved their team, didn't kill their cap, and set themselves up to compete in the future? Absolutely. They haven't hurt themselves one bit. So I'm really happy with that, and I really think that the uh, the Jets are heading in the right direction. I think Coach Salah is going to be good for them, and I think Joe Douglas is really starting to prove that he's a shrewd GM that can get guys on a good deal. And, um, you know, I, uh, I, I think he, he did a good job not overpaying for people. You know, like a, a lot of Jet fans were talking about during the week, Juju Schuster-Smith, the uh, 24-year-old actual actually former teammate of Sam Darnold at USC, uh, it would have been real easy to get carried away and try to overpay Juju Schuster-Smith, who signed a big-time hometown contract with the, the Steelers. He's 24 years old. He probably figured, Smith probably figured to himself, you know what, I'm in a good situation with the Steelers, but I wouldn't mind a change. Even if it's not this year, maybe next year. So what he did was he gave himself a chance to sign a one-year contract where he's still making $7 million. He's got a $7 million signing bonus. He's, he's only a cap hit of $1 million, I think, because the, the Steelers really are being killed with cap. But then after this year where, you know, who knows? Who knows what happens? Maybe they win the Super Bowl. Maybe they don't. Maybe either way, Ben retires. So the Steelers are going to be taking a step back next year. I think Smith is thinking to himself, let me stick with Roethlisberger for this one year, um, see if we win a Super Bowl, and if we don't, see what happens next year. He's, he's still going to be 25 years old, hitting the market as a free agent. Um, he's still going to have a lot of money in his pocket already from this year. So uh, Smith, you know, I, I think he made the right choice for himself this year, but don't be surprised because there was the, the rumblings. Maybe he becomes a Nick next year. Uh, a Nick. Um, I, I got the Nick game on. Maybe he becomes a Jet next year. So you you, you got to give that to uh, to Schuster Smith for, for for sticking with that. As uh, and you know so the the Jets really that like I said they're they're setting themselves up right now. They still have two first round picks this year. Don't forget about that. They got the second overall pick right behind Jacksonville, who's going to take Trevor Lawrence number one overall. 
So we'll see how they do with that. The, the Jets can do anything they want. They've got number two. They could take a quarterback. They could take an edge rusher. They could take an offensive lineman. We'll see which way they go. But they also have the 23rd overall pick. And if they really want to get crazy, maybe, just maybe, they could orchestrate a trade that brings Deshaun Watson or maybe even Russell Wilson because there's a lot of talk about Russell Wilson. I know he either wants to go to New Orleans or Chicago or something along those lines. There's a lot of things that can happen right now. Uh, I'm happy the Jets have a general manager in position right now that uh, seems like he's got a handle of it. I think he knows which way he wants to go right now. I just don't think we know which way he wants to go. And that's good. Play your cards close to the vest and make the right decision. That's all I can say right now as a Jet fan. It's been over 50 years since we won a Super Bowl. Make the right decision. And, uh, oh boy, I'm really run, running low on time here as uh, we're coming to the end of the show here. Quickly on the Knicks, uh, they're up 64-62 right now against uh, Philadelphia at the Garden. Great to see people back in the stands there. Um, you know, they really just got to... The, the question is, do, do they add at the deadline? Um, probably not. I probably wouldn't go crazy. They might bring in somebody. I heard, I heard people t- talking about Oladipo being traded to them. That's a possibility. Um, but, but you never know. I mean, it was good to see Mitchell Robinson came back tonight. Saw him come in. Um, one of the revelations from this season really has been Frank Nielakina, who has either been loved or hated by the Garden faithful over the course of his tenure as a Nick. Uh, the former 2017 overall, uh, ninth overall pick, the first selection for the Knicks that year uh, by then-President um, Phil Jackson, who just really made a bad call. Uh, there's a lot of great, you know, uh, look, and I like Neil Akeen. I'm not trying to kill him, but Neil Akeen is not worth the uh, ninth overall pick. And this is a guy who, uh, you know, went before a guy like Donovan Mitchell, who's a star over in Utah. And you have um, Neil Akeen, who's a good, they call him in the NBA, a 3 and D type guy. He's a guy that could come out, maybe he'll hit you a good three, and maybe he'll uh, play good defense for you. That's the one thing you really can count on, is that he's always going to play good defense for you. But he's he's a guy that could come out and maybe hit a three every once in a while for you. He's not going to be a big offensive plus to your team. But, you know, look, you've had Julius Randle. He's the first Nick to have three triple doubles in a season since 1982. It was Michael Ray Richardson. So when you're bringing up a name like Michael Ray Richardson, you know it's been a long time since something happened. Um, you know, Randall has really turned himself into a uh, franchise player this year. He's averaging over 23 points a game, double-digit rebounds. He's, he really does seem like he has six, seven, eight assists every night. Um, willing the Wicks, uh, the Knicks to win at times. Uh, just a really, really all-star player. He was the Knicks' lone all-star this year. Uh, obviously, they also had Obi Toppin in the dunk contest, so it was good to see that. Um, you know, they've been bringing Obi along slow this year, but Julius Randle really has turned himself into that superstar that the Knicks were really hoping, and on the contract he's on right now, they're really getting a deal for him, actually. He's the highest-paid Nick, but for the, the production they're getting, he's uh, he's really worth that contract. And um, you got to tip your cap to Julius for that. you got to tip your cap to, uh, to a lot of the guys on the team. R.J. Barrett, 
who I just watched missed a, uh, a layup to end the third quarter. It was a little disappointing. The guy, it's 64-64 right now, and he's one of the guys that you know you can count on. If the Knicks need to, to score a big basket in a big a big moment, if it's not Julius Randle, I want the ball in R.J. Barrett's hands. Uh, you know, they also have uh, Derrick Rose making his way back. Um, you know, after the the trade, he's missed a lot of he's missed the last nine games or so because of uh, he's been on the COVID list. So they haven't necessarily announced that he's had COVID, but you could pretty much infer that that's why he's had this extended absence. Uh, but he, hopefully he'll be back soon. As I said earlier, Mitchell, Mitchell Robinson coming back is big, and um, you know just uh, the the Knicks are right right now sitting in a playoff spot, and that, that's what this coach Tom Thibodeau has come in and done. Um, Leon Rose, the GM, put them in this position too. Made a lot of uh, shrewd decisions in this off season that that have paid off so far. And uh, you just gotta say, I think right now with the way they're going. The Knicks have a chance to be right around 500. They have a much more difficult second half than they had the sec- uh, first half. Now, the like the win, the game tonight against Philadelphia, it's a must win. They have to come out in this fourth quarter. You're at home, going into the fourth quarter tied. You have to win this game. You know, you, you get a guy like quickly to start the, the the fourth quarter too. Great to see. Love seeing that kid out there. He brings a lot of energy. Um, he's he's shooting free throws right now, which he is a killer at, one of the highest percentages in the league, which the Knicks really needed help. And as I say that, he misses his first free throw. So thank you uh, quickly. Sorry about jinxing you there, my friend. But as long as he hits the second one, that's the only thing that matters. <laughs> but, uh, you know, which quickly missed both of them. <laughs> as I'm sitting here praising the kids. Sorry, Emmanuel. Didn't mean to jinx you on that, buddy. But, uh, you know, so, well, you know, that's just, that's how it goes, isn't it? Um, 64-64 for the Knicks here in the fourth quarter. They got a must-win for them. Must-win. And, uh, you know, be, before we get out of here, as I've got about a minute left here, Islanders, great. One of the best teams in hockey. Stanley Cup contender. Uh, a team you want to keep an eye on um, in, in all respects. I am predicting right now, if even if they don't get him, the Islanders are going to be in the market for Taylor Hall. Watch, mark my words right now, T- Taylor Hall having a down season in Buffalo. Buffalo is obviously having a disaster of a season. Watch out for him going there. That would be a very, a, a, a great Lou Lamorello pickup. Uh, I could see him pulling something out like that off. And, um, you know, a, as you hear the, uh, the music right now, ladies and gentlemen, I'm getting played off. I want to thank you for sticking around here with me tonight on Sports Talk New York. I'm your host, Rob Kramer. Uh, we, we got into a lot tonight, so thanks for sticking with me to the end. Um, let's go Knicks. Let's hope they pull this win off, and I'll catch you next time around. Enjoy the rest of spring training. Enjoy your week. expressed in the previous program did not necessarily represent those of the staff, management, or owners of WGBB.